Hey friends, welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm your host, Angela Donatio, Bible teacher, author, and adventure junkie. Join me each week for compelling conversations with leading voices that encourage us to ground our worth in the word instead of the narrative of the world. Together, we'll discover miracles in life's messy moments and make our lives matter no matter what. Here's this week's episode. Welcome back, everybody. You know, it might surprise you to know that a startling 70% of Americans are overweight. And after 10 years of marriage and five pregnancies, Amber Leah, a former college athlete and recreational bodybuilder, found herself to be one of them. She felt ashamed of her physical state, and she knew that she could do better, not just for herself, but for her husband and for her children. So she embarked on a journey to reclaim her health one unhealthy pattern at a time. She's a certified health coach, and she's the author of a brand new book, Food Triggers. So Amber is here to help us know how to win the ultimate food fight by exchanging unhealthy patterns with God-honoring habits. Amber, welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you, Angela. I was really looking forward to this conversation. Well, by the time this airs, the book has been out for a couple of months, but I actually read an advanced copy, loved it. And we were chatting a little bit earlier. It has some very unique you know, components. It's kind of divided into external triggers and internal triggers. We're going to kind of dive into both of those in a minute, but you start by helping us know that we need to identify our why. So I would just love to hear a little bit of your story, why this matters so much to you and how that has helped you to define your why in this process. Oh, thank you, Angela, for asking. You know, this really is a topic that is super close to my heart. And that's because it's personal. I have been on this personal journey, like most people in the world today are struggling with food issues. And the statistics confirm that for us. And so I found myself about three years ago now in a place that I never dreamed I would be. As you stated before, I had struggled with my weight as a young person, but then in college and as a young uh, adult, I really dialed that in and felt like I was in a healthy place. But as time went on, and especially in my early 40s, when I had a, a happy surprise baby, which I was delighted to have and welcome my son Quaid into our family. But after his birth, I really just felt a lot of the same pressures I think a lot of people do, you know, for raising kids or we're working or we're just adulting, right? You start yeah. taking care of everything else and everybody else and you come last. And I also went through a number of just personal losses and, and I was grieving and, and really for me, it became an issue of emotional mismanagement and that made me feel a lot of guilt spiritually because I thought, well, I'm, I'm in the ministry of helping people manage anger has been mm. a lot of my focus has been in the past anger in parenting and in marriage. And yet I'm not having self-control or managing my emotions when it comes to my emotions and food. And mm. so I just found myself at the most I'd ever weighed things I had done in the past when I was younger, didn't seem to be working for me. Mm. And I felt stuck and frustrated. And then I got into some just very specific, unhealthy patterns at night, I would sink into the couch and enjoy a bowl of ice cream as a reward for making it through the day, homeschooling four sweet, precious boys, <laughs> working from home, writing books. And I knew that if I didn't make a change, that the trajectory of my life in a year, in five years, in 10 years, mm -hmm. and certainly as a grandparent someday, God willing, was not going to be the life to the fullest that I knew God wanted me to live. 
So that's really what was the catalyst for you was that there came just kind of a breaking point for you. So tell us before we get into kind of the triggers, what, what did the first couple of steps look like for you, Amber? If someone's listening and they're feeling overwhelmed, a lot of us have put on weight during COVID or just the sense of hopelessness we've experienced. Like you said, there's emotional attachments to eating and why we eat, but if someone's listening and, and even if food is not a struggle, they're not in the ultimate food fight. I I want you guys to listen because I guarantee you someone, you know, someone you love has an unhealthy relationship with food. And so we want to move into healthy habits for this new year. We don't know what this year is going to hold, but we can, we can be, in control over what we eat, how we manage it. So Mm -hmm. if someone's listening, wherever they are on the spectrum right now, Amber, what was the first couple of steps you took to move from that place of, okay, I don't want to live like this anymore. So two things happened specifically. Well, three, really. I had just finished celebrating my son's birthday, his second birthday. And I realized, okay, he's two. This is not baby weight anymore. So I recognized kind of that lie I was telling myself that this is just from the pregnancy. And that really wasn't true two years later. Okay. And the second yeah. thing that happened is that I also, just very practically speaking, my pants were too tight. I I was going to have to go to the store that week and buy some new clothes because I just literally couldn't fit into the ones I had. Mm. And I was not happy about that. I had been putting it off and you know how that is. You're just like, oh, I know I got to do something, but I'm just trying to make this work. You know, it was just the, the physical manifestation of all the other things that were going on for me spiritually and internally. Mm. And then the third thing was, right, I had been watching a friend of mine get healthy over the course of about eight months. And so I finally reached out to her and I said, okay, I think I need help. Like, I'm trying to do this on my own. It's not working. I'm going to find out and just talk to my friend and see if maybe she can help me. And she did. She told me about a specific plan that I ended up using that was just the practical piece I needed to just sort of jumpstart and reset my health journey. And then through that practical piece, I also always want to know, okay, Lord, if I'm just going to focus on food, you know, that's what got me into trouble. Focusing on food is not going to get me out of trouble. So I need to dial into what's the root of this for me spiritually. And so that's when I spent that whole season of getting healthy, eventually losing 85 pounds um, and keeping it off now for three years, Mm. but also working through what are these specific things I'm doing, but what's the spiritual reason behind it as well as the practical reason. And what can I do to really make this a lifestyle change in my mind that's going to allow me to grow spiritually in the process? It's so good because I think it, like you said, if we just approach it from a food standpoint, we're not looking at the comprehensive approach there. And so to be truly successful, whatever success might look like for someone, whether it's losing weight, it's adding mobility into your life, whatever that looks like, it's got to move beyond just food, but food is a huge component. We can't ignore it. And I think as, as believers, most people that are listening are followers of Christ. I think it's kind of a dirty little secret that we don't want to talk about. I mean, 70% of Americans are obese. They're not all outside the church. And I hate to say that. And I'm not trying to be ugly. My husband, and I have pastored a church for 30 years and I love people period, but I feel like Amber, yeah. it's, it's challenging to see where we have a list of kind of things that we think are sins. And the Bible says that they are or struggles, temptations, and somehow we just keep excluding food and exercise in the conversation. I mean, that's One not really the, something I thought about talking about with you, but I'd yeah. love to get your thoughts about that. Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up and it, it is a sensitive subject and I want people to know 
there's no judgment from me whatsoever. Listen, I was in that place for years. (laughs) I was in that place. So I get it. But one thing I thought about as I got healthy was I have a lot of faithful friends. Why is nobody calling me on this Mm -hmm. issue in my life? Mm -hmm. Why is nobody saying to me, Hey, Amber, do you think that maybe you have some issues with food and how maybe even some issues with gluttony. Nobody wants to say that word. Nobody wants to talk about it because we don't want to offend people. We don't want to hurt people's feelings. And it is such a difficult subject because there are so many disorders and things like that, that are surrounding this. And so we want to be very sensitive to that. But I thought at least my inner circle. So one of the things that has been surprising to me after the fact on this health journey is that nobody really called me on this issue that obviously I was struggling with food. Obviously I had issues even with overeating. Mm. Let's call it what it is. It was gluttony. And I think it's because we don't want to hurt people's feelings. It's a very sensitive topic and we feel like we can't address it with people. And I agree that that should be done carefully and with compassion, but my goal really now is to really destigmatize this issue and let people understand and know you don't need to feel shame or guilt about this, but we can come alongside each other and really spur one another on toward love and good deeds and getting healthy, stewarding our bodies, overcoming some of these sin issues or even just challenges and struggles in our lives is something that we can do together and doesn't have to be suffered through in isolation. I love that. I mean, doing anything in community is going to probably ensure greater success anyway. So if we can kind of, like you said, destigmatize it and take the shame out of it and just that unwillingness to talk about it, then we could really move forward in community. In fact, you actually share, I'm skipping ahead a bit in the book, but you share so much as to say that, you know, there's some clients you've worked with who felt even sabotaged, like, by friends who they told, Hey, I'm on this health journey or I've lost weight or I'm making healthier choices. And the next day someone showed up with like, you know, the caramel frappiato and <laughs> macchiato and the like, you know, scone. And you're like, why, what? I've just told you this. So, I mean, I know people mean well, but sometimes we have to be just a lot more sensitive to, you know what I mean? People where they are in their journey. It's so true. You know, I think a lot of, so there's a couple things that are going on sometimes in that situation. We're just unaware and we Mm. mean well, because food often means community and it means love and we attach all of these meanings to it. And so we just don't realize, you know, we know someone's on a health journey, but it's their birthday. So we bring them their favorite candy, you know, and it just is not really going to serve their particular goals at that stage in life, but we're not trying to sabotage them directly. And yet it's sabotage if we let it, right? If we take Mm -hmm. it in and we don't, you know, put it aside or pass it on to somebody else, then it becomes a temptation or a trigger for us. And we need to be mindful of that. But sometimes when we start to get healthy, Angela, our story does not comfort other people. It Mm -hmm. convicts them and they're not ready yet to see that reflection of themselves. And that can cause them to feel left behind or insecure or their own shame. And we don't always handle those kinds of feelings appropriately. And then we begin to sabotage others. And that's, again, another area for us to hopefully be really mindful about our own health journey individually and not allow others 
to deter us from that path, but to even have compassion for those who it may seem are trying to sabotage us. Either they're just not awakened and understanding and realizing what they're up to. And that's true because culturally, this is really a a problem for us. But then additionally, we might just need to come alongside them and say, hey, this may be challenging for you. Um, maybe this is something we could do together because mm-hmm. you're right. Community is so important when it comes to getting healthy. That's, that's a great, just great insights. And just to be, be sensitive to the fact that, like you said, food can mean love. And so it doesn't mean that they're intentionally trying to sabotage us. It just means that for so many, and you know, it's just the way we gather. I mean, this podcast isn't just heard in America, but anywhere around the world, you know, communities come together around food. It's a critical part of just how we do life. So we've got to have a relationship with food. It's just having a healthy relationship with it. So right. let's talk about, you know, some of these triggers, because you really have the book divided into external triggers and internal triggers, which I thought was a great way to approach um, the fact that it, we, we've got to look at this from multiple angles. So one common external trigger that I feel like so many of us struggle with is that we eat because we are bored. So how can we win this fight with boredom? We do eat because we are bored and we get into this pattern, right? So the subtitle of food triggers is exchanging unhealthy patterns for God honoring habits. And for me, one of my boredom patterns was when I had a few minutes of downtime or my kids went to camp during summertime and suddenly I had more time on my hands. What do I do with myself? I found myself just going to the pantry, going out to eat, Every night after the kids would go to bed, there would be such a whirlwind of activity all day long because I homeschool four boys. And I know there are boys who are kind of chill, but we call our house a testosterone home for a reason. Like we are, we are all boy, all noise all the time. And just having that peace and quiet when they were in bed and just that reward of, okay, I made it through the day, through work, through homeschooling. And that was this unhealthy pattern. But part of it was just, just the freedom of, okay, not only is this feel comforting to me, but I finally have a few minutes to myself or I'm bored. But you know, one of the big things, Angela, about this issue with boredom is that we can actually recognize that this trigger is bringing up some hidden stirrings within us that maybe we're just not feeling fulfilled in other Mm, areas of our lives because God created us for purpose and for fulfillment. And that doesn't mean that every day has to be this epic, extraordinary experience. But if we don't feel fulfilled in what we do day in and day out, then there's going to be an outlet for the the desire within us to feel fulfilled and complete and our identity should be in Christ mm. but we are people of action and created for purpose so i say that people will either find their purpose or pick a poison mm. so whether it's shopping or whatever other distraction maybe it's being on social media for many of us statistically it's food we're going to allow just that boredom or that lack of satisfaction and purpose to manifest in other ways that are not healthy. And so this could just, again, be an opportunity. I say that triggers are opportunities 
if we let them be. This is an opportunity for us to uncover, why am I bored? Where do I not feel fulfilled? Sure. Is this a season that I just need to work hard and persevere um, because there are seasons like that? Or is there an overall aching within us that we need to turn to God for and then start doing some specific digging to see how can we be fulfilled and not turn just to food? Mm, that's so good. Such great insight for helping us to unpack why that's maybe a source of a struggle. You know, I'll be honest, one that really resonated with me personally is that you've hit a plateau and I had a car accident. I had multiple surgeries as a result of it. And I put on that, you know, 10 to 12 pounds that happens sometimes when you're not able to exercise for a while. And then I had to have a second surgery to repair it. So I, I feel like for me personally, I've hit this plateau and I'm constantly saying, I just need to lose 10 pounds, but the 10 pounds has been hanging on for a year. So speak to those of us like myself and maybe feel like, man, we've just hit a plateau. We just can't seem to get that, that section of our life to budge. Yes. So, you know, plateaus don't always have to be bad things. Sometimes they are a resting place, mm. <laughs> you know, for us to actually just go back and think, okay, where was I before? though, you know, have I been in a place where I've at least I've made progress. A lot of us hit a plateau after we've actually been making progress. And then it can feel frustrating because we want it to keep going in the right direction, but it's not. But our bodies adjust over time to what we're eating and our routine. And sometimes we just need to mix up our routine. That's one of the most practical things we can do is, you know, if you're stuck, then mix it up a little bit, whether it's your exercise routine or your eating habits, or maybe you've been trying to do things solo and now you need to hire a health coach or look at, see a nutritionist or get a group of friends together to go through and, and you know, start a walking club, whatever it may be to think outside the box a little bit when you hit that plateau, but also to recognize that plateaus can be a really good time for reflection. If our energy is not focused so much on progressing in, in towards a specific goal, maybe this is a time to stop and just consider again, how far you've come, changes you've already made, and even to reevaluate your why. You know, why do you wanna get healthy this time? It shouldn't just be all about scale for any of us. There should be some other bigger reasons about why do we want to move in the right direction? And then we can practically figure out what that can look like for us through our specific plateau. As you're talking, Amber, I just feel like you're so kind in the way that you talk about our bodies. And I mean, that's just coming through in the, the language that you speak and the sensitivity with which, because I do think you're right. We either ignore it and try to pretend that we don't have an issue with food or we just stay in a constant beating ourselves up about it. Mm, so mm -hmm. is this, a, has this been a journey for you that, I, I mean, I'm not even sure if you recognize you, you most likely do, because I know you're a coach and the way you talk with other people, but was there a journey into how even the language that you use and the way that you talk about our own relationship with food? Well, thank you for saying that, Angela. It means a lot to me because I am really committed to the message that we have to be kind mm. to ourselves 
and to others in this whole conversation. Mm. And, you know, God places high value on us as individuals, high value. He says we're fearfully and wonderfully made. He He determined the times and the places we would live before the foundation of the world. It tells us in the book of Acts, like we're your life matters. My life matters. And if he wants us to be kind to others, right? All through scripture, we see that we're supposed to be kind to one another. And so that means ourselves too. We have to be kind to ourselves. And one of the biggest things for me, you asked, you know, how does this relate to me personally? Before when I was trying to get healthy, I really was diet centered and minded. And now I'm much more lifestyle minded. And when you're lifestyle minded, you're not in a rush to make things happen. You're not so intense. You know that you can be gracious with yourself because this isn't about just reaching a goal in a month. This is about how am I going to feel when I am a grandma? Am I going to be able to get up and down the stairs myself? Am I going to be on the cruise ship for that family reunion with my great-grandchildren? Or am I going to be stuck in the nursing home? And every decision I make for myself right now is going to be promoting that healthy lifestyle long-term. And so it doesn't have to cause us to have a warped sense of body image or the mirror or the reflection, which is where we tend to get a lot of our shaming and guilt guilt mindset. And so I really want people to know and understand, hey, it's okay to want to look cute and to feel good in your clothing, but that's not everything. And for me, just having that shift of, hey, this is a long-term journey. Be kind to yourself, Amber. If you have a diet mentality, you make one mistake and you want to quit. It's an all or nothing um, focus. And now as we're really looking at more of a long-term lifestyle change, one healthy habit at a time, let's take this slow. Now we're really allowing ourselves to be gracious to ourselves. One meal off plan, one holiday is not going to erase your whole healthy lifestyle. So let's be kind to each other and let's mm. manage what we're right. saying to ourselves. We're not failures just because we've struggled a long time. We actually live in a society that's not making it easy for us. So let's be thankful for the bodies God has given us, but let's be really, really intuitive to be compassionate to ourselves and to others in this conversation. It's so good. Thank you, Amber. Thank you for sharing that. That was really insightful for me to just listen to you talk and hear the language that you use, because I think I do get into some body shaming, especially when you've maybe been thinner. In fact, my thinnest weight, my, my lowest weight was when I was very ill. So mm -hmm. sometimes we, we love this low scale, you know, this number on a scale, but it doesn't reflect health. It for me reflected nearly dying. Right. So but once you see yourself really thin, sometimes you can get stuck with those kind of distorted images and you have to readjust to, Hey, that's actually not a healthy way to life. And so shifting that narrative, not only internally, um, externally, all these ways that we have to kind of look at why we're eating, what we're eating, what our relationship with. In fact, you even give us a, a, a very different definition, maybe than what some have come to look at food. And you say um, food, our relationship with food, that food is fuel, food is medicine, and food is a gift. So can you talk about those three things or one of them just for a minute, how you kind of landed on that definition of food? One of the things that I hear clients tell me sometimes at the beginning is, well, I know I can't have this and I can't have that and I shouldn't eat this and I shouldn't have done that. And again, that's that restrictive mindset. And God has given us freedom. 
in all things. We have freedom. And even his boundaries have fallen for us in pleasant places. Boundaries give us freedom in actuality. And so when we start thinking about food as this restricted thing, we can't have bad or good, it really begins to mess with our heads and it feels defeating and it feels restrictive. And so for me, the shift and that I, I really want my clients and my readers to know and understand is that let's think about food differently and let's remind ourselves on a regular basis the gift of what food is. Food is meant to be pleasurable. God gave us these things to enjoy. That's okay. Um, and also food really has a purpose. It's meant to fuel our bodies. It it allows our metabolism to operate correctly. It stabilizes our blood sugar, which incidentally is going to affect your mood, right? I minister to moms and dads who struggle with anger and yelling. And if mama's hangry, yeah. right, because her blood sugar is not Ew. stable, that can feel like a spiritual battle, but it's a physiological battle. Mm, it's a chemical good. battle in your body. So again, here's where the kindness comes in, Angela. Can we stop beating ourselves up because of our anger and really understand that sometimes it's just a blood sugar issue too. Mm. And so it doesn't mean that we're just spiritually in the dumps and in the pit. Sometimes we just need to get practical with these things along with this process. So food has a lot of value in our lives for medicine, for fuel. It's got a great purpose. We can enjoy it, but let's not give it more meaning than it deserves. And let's not allow it to dictate our choices and always thinking that every meal has to be a party in our mouth. It can taste good and be pleasurable, but are we making those food choices because they're going to serve our why? For, are they going to serve our future and the future person that we're trying to become? Is it going to allow us to really live, live life to the fullest as God designed or not? And when we stop thinking about food all the time as a reward, as something to shame ourselves with, as it has to be, taste good all the time, then we're really going to be chasing the good life because our mindset's going to change entirely about how we handle our bodies in many areas of life. Mm, that is so great. If anyone, if you don't get anything else out of this conversation, guys, changing the way that you look at food, it's fuel, it's medicine, and it's a gift. Amber is giving us so many nuggets and the book is chock full of them. We're just digging into a couple of them. Amber, I want to ask you about a couple of internal triggers, which we've kind of, you know, woven and out of because even external does bleed into the internal, but let's just say a couple of them, for example, would be stress. And that stress is a major component of, of why we overeat. And so many of us wrestle with stress and stress really is defined by expectations are higher than what we can meet. So talk to us a little bit about stress and the relationship with stress and overeating. Well, again, this is another really interesting part of losing weight and being healthy because stress affects us more than we realize. I did not understand this connection until I started really digging into the emotional mismanagement piece, which also I was a stress eater. And so one of the things to know is that stress and the chemical response can do a doozy on your body. The good news is, is that for the believer, we're never at the mercy of stress when God's mercy is available to us. So it's going to need to look like managing stress in healthy ways, right? And inviting God in to help us cope with difficult seasons. For me, it was especially helpful to know and understand that when you have stress, it releases cortisol in your system. 
and that increases hunger. And there's just this whole process to what we do um, physically, the responses of our cravings as they relate to stress. And so it's super important to really manage stress in ways that are going to serve you and not detract from your health journey. One of the things that I do is I had to carve out time to go on walks. Now, I'm a big believer that weight loss is not really exercise-based. It's going to be nutrition-based primarily. But exercise is important to de-stress. It's important for cardiovascular health and for strength. And so there's a lot of benefits to having healthy motion. But it's also an excellent way to de-stress. It builds those endorphins. It allows you to get out in nature, which for me, seeing the beautiful mountains or hills around me or walking around a beautiful lake or if I can get to the beach and walk on the beach, those environments also calm me. I like to couple my exercise with worship music and praise music and prayer time. And that is my time to connect with God out in nature as well. And that allows me to de-stress. But a lot of us are allowing the stress to build and build and build. And we feel like life has a chokehold on us instead of us having a handle on our lives. And so I want to encourage people, even if you just do a practiced breathing techniques, I actually do this every day in a Zoom with my clients. It's it's my all my coaching support is free. I have a private Facebook group, but I, I do a breathing exercise every day just to take some four deep breaths in for four seconds and release it over six seconds and just to be calm and settle our minds and to use that time even as gratitude and thanking God for where we're at. So stress is a big one. A lot of us stress eat, but we've got to replace that unhealthy pattern of just operating under duress, turning to food and put in place some other things that are going to be healthier like breathing, like going on a walk, like taking a bubble bath, like carving out time to get a massage once a month or spending time with your kids and doing something you all enjoy just to treasure your family. We've got to be intentional about these kinds of healthy stress management tips and tools. That's so great, Amber. So many great insights there that you just shared. You mentioned your coaching program. So besides the resources that you offer and name some of them because Food Triggers is, is just your latest book. You have several books, you have a coaching program. So share a little bit about the resources that are available to people that are listening and how they could connect with you. Sure. So you can find me anywhere on social media as Amber Leah. My last name is L-I-A. You can go to amberleah.com and actually find all of my books. And there's even a free wellness discovery form. It's just like three minutes that people can fill out and I can get you some feedback on where you're at in your health journey. And I have a private Facebook group. Uh, called the Station of Transformation that I can invite people to as well. And there's a link to that as on my website. And so there's just tons of great resources in there, lots of healthy recipes, super positive environment, some of those meetings that I mentioned that people can attend. And then also um, the coaching that I provide is through a company called Optavia. There are lots of wonderful programs in the world. And I would encourage everybody to find the one that works for you. Um, like I said, many options to suit you. I use Optavia and I'm a coach with Optavia. And you can go to Optavia.com even and put in my name, Amber Leah, and use our program as well. Um, but there are 
tons of free resources in both parenting and marriage on my website as well. And I have a group for parents who struggle with anger and yelling called Gentle Parenting with Amber and Wendy. And that's with my co-author, Wendy Speak. And I'd be happy to add people to that parenting group as well. It's Amber Leah, L-I-A. You can find her on social media. I'll put her website here in our show notes. And she's going to pray over us in just a moment, because I know for so many of us, like she's been talking, this is a sensitive issue. It's our body. It's our life. It's emotional attachment that we have to food. It's community. There's so many tentacles of this thing. It's not a singular focus. So we understand even approaching this, that we're doing this with kindness and sensitivity, but we want to see ourselves moving forward. We want our lives to matter. We want to make life matter. And God wants you to be able to do everything he's calling us to in this season to fulfill our God assignments. And we don't want to see our health be a reason that we can't fully engage with, with kingdom purpose, the way that God would have us to. So if, if something has resonated with you, you'd like to connect with Amber, we encourage you to reach out and Amber, I would love to have your answer to this question, especially in light of our conversation today. I'm really curious to know who you're going to say, but we talk here on the podcast about, you know, grounding ourselves in the word and the value of the Bible. We haven't really done a lot of talking about the Bible today, but guys, the book is full of scripture, full of scriptural references. So this is a, a very much an intersection of faith and your fitness and the fuel of, of food. It is not just a book about food or triggers. It's a book about applying the scripture and those new healthy habits that we need to put in their place. And they're very scripturally based scriptural principles. So with that in mind, Amber, other than Jesus, what person in the Bible has most inspired you to make life matter? It's maybe someone you can't wait to meet in heaven or a question you would love to ask them. Oh man, there's so many Angela. But I know, right? I, it's <laughs> hard. Honestly, Joseph has always been one of my favorite people to study in the Bible. I feel like I relate to him in some ways, and especially because my life has not been easy. I've had a number of challenges in my parenting, in my marriage, in my health journey. That's why I write about these topics. And there's a verse in um, in Genesis relating to his story. Genesis 50 verse 20 says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And that verse is meaningful to me as it relates to Joseph, because he was, you know, unjustly treated over and over again. Satan obviously had a, a determination to really take Joseph out over the course of his life. And yet God used every difficult circumstance for good and ultimately for the saving of many lives. And so for me, I feel like that's what gives me a lot of hope too. Yes, I have my triggers. I have my challenges. And while Satan and others may have intended these things for harm, I'm not satisfied with staying there. I want to continue to share these very personal struggles that I would rather do in private publicly because I want to help save other lives. And I think this issue in particular, Angela, dealing with food issues, it is a life or death situation for many. And I'm prayerful that whoever's listening that needs this hope um, will recognize that there is hope, there is victory at, available to them and that they won't settle for where they're at. Mm, amen. Thank you for that. I can certainly see how his life would inspire you and 
guys, we can win this ultimate food fight. I know we joke about having a food fight in the cafeteria somewhere as an elementary kid, but many of us have fought with food our entire lives. And it is not God's heart for us to live in a constant state of struggle and tension or feeling defeated. So Amber is here to help you walk in victory. So I encourage you to reach out to her, avail yourself of her resources. She has several different books, one on parenting, one on marriage, one now on food triggers, and uh, each one of them is going to be insightful in their own way. So before she prays for us, I'm going to read today's truth that matters. And as I was praying over this the book, I've read the book cover to cover and just praying over the sensitivity of this topic. The Lord led me to first Corinthians six and Paul wrote this about winning this ultimate food fight. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. And I don't know what struggle he was having. I don't know where that came out of for him, but I have to believe he was writing not only under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but from personal experience to say, listen, not everything is going to help me. All things are lawful, but they are not going to help me. I will not be dominated by anything, he goes on to say. And then later on in that chapter, 1 Corinthians 6, he says, do you not know that your body is a temple? That's the dwelling place. That's the house of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Those verses are from 1 Corinthians 6. So if this has been an area that's kind of, kind of spurred up some emotions in you today, I want you to just continue you know, diving in, get a copy of her book and look at these verses in first Corinthians six, know that nothing has to dominate us. The Holy spirit is in control of our lives. When we surrender our life to the Lord and just to say, your life has value. You are the dwelling place in the temple of the most high God, the Holy spirit lives in you. And so to treat our body with that kind of kindness that Amber has encouraged us today, that kind of sensitivity, that kind of awareness to know that you were bought with a price and that's how valuable you are. So Amber, thank you so much for lending your voice here to the podcast. Thank you for allowing what maybe the enemy was trying to use for evil against you to be something now that's a platform to bring so many freedom and victory and hope. And so I just thank you for this new resource. I just pray so much blessing over your life. And I would love for you to just pray over our listeners as we close our time today. Oh, thank you, Angela. That means so much to me. I really appreciate it. I'm honored to pray. So let's do that now. Heavenly Father, you designed us for glorious living. And it's so difficult, Father, when we feel stuck and trapped in a place where we don't want to be in this pit, but we don't know how to get out. And God, I just pray for anybody that is listening right now that just is at that breaking point. They need a turning point, Lord, that you would give them hope. Lord, you are our hope. You are our comforter. You are our strength. You look, your eyes roam the earth looking for those whose hearts are committed to you so that you can strengthen us. And so, Father, I pray that you would bring people the right plan, the right scripture, the right friend to journey with, Lord, towards health and wellness. God, I pray that we would be a people who are strong, not just spiritually and mentally and emotionally, but in body so that we can do the kingdom work you have us to do. Lord, I pray that there would be nothing that has a stronghold in our lives and that we would begin to view food as its purpose, Lord. That yes, we can enjoy it, Father, but allow it to really change in our mindset about what food is to us. 
and that we would take this good thing that you've given us and allow it to bless our lives and to improve our lives and not to harm them. So, Father, I just pray again your blessing over every listener. God, I thank you for Angela and her ministry and that you would bless it as well. In Jesus' precious and worthy name I pray, amen. Thanks for joining the conversation. If you've been inspired to make life matter, share a review and subscribe at cpnshows.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Connect with me at AngelaDenadio.com, Facebook at AngelaDenadioVOV, and Instagram at AngelaDenadio. Until next week, let's make life matter.